Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, November 19th, 2021. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is the Rev, Taylor Schwenk. I'm Buster Only, working from my home in New York. I just got back from Montana, where he's making a lot of calls, following the market, a lot of stuff going on. Buster, I didn't, we were both out west. I didn't know you were in Montana. I was out in Colorado and Arizona. So we were really, uh, you know, we, we had our, ourselves a little retreat, not together, but uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed your, your time and got a little relaxation in it because I know you could use it. Yeah, and uh, we, we should have gotten together for coffee, right? Met someplace in Utah or yeah, whatever. Yeah, Wyoming would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yesterday we have uh, Carl Rabbits coming up on the podcast. We've got a lot to get to today, and we'll start with the MVP voting that came down yesterday. We spoke all summer about Shohei Otani and this amazing season that he had. Uh, And I think the question came down to how many first place votes would he get? Well, he was named the MVP of the American League unanimously, claiming all 30 first place votes. Here's Shohei Otani giving his initial reaction. Yeah, I'm extremely happy, and I just want to um, say thank you to all the writers of the BBWA that voted for me, my teammates, coaches, manager, um, everybody that was involved, including um, training staff, and all the fans that supported me through um, thick and thin, and also the um, my doctor that performed surgery on me. Yeah, so that's the moment, uh, Taylor, when I wish I had my daughter on the podcast, who doesn't really like sports that much, but she's uh, going to be a Japanese professor. And I kind of needed that in that initial moment. <laughs> I thought it was important to get his voice on there. And I like that he thanked his surgeon at the end. Don't forget that guy kept them together. Yeah, exactly. Another MVP chimed in. Mike Trout wrote on Twitter. It's been something special to witness what you've accomplished as a teammate. You've put together a season of your own well-deserved showtime. Uh, hashtag MVP is exactly right. Bryce Harper was named National League MVP. Uh, He beat out Juan Soto, Fernando Tatsy Jr., and several others, capturing 17 of 30 first-place votes. He was emotional in his reaction. Here's Bryce Harper. I think all those guys that you talk about, they all have World Series as well. That's the next step. That's the next goal. You want to be on that platform uh, with your team and your teammates and and do that. I'm definitely humbled to be part of that group right now. You know, I don't want to just check off the box and say, hey, I'm good. I won an MVP in Philadelphia and that's it. I just want to, I want to keep playing. I want to keep doing my thing, playing hard, working hard, understanding that we need to be a team that comes in each year, um, ready to go and ready to work for October. And that's, that's what we need to do. I'm a long ways away from being what those guys are right now. So I just, I want to keep working understand I want to enjoy this you know, with my family, my friends, my teammates, the organization, but ready to go and, and get to work when I need to starting in 2022. He was referring to all the players in the past who had won the MVP award two times. This is his second, of course. First pitch is part of ESPN Nation brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football is back. And so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. So there are a lot of deals that have happened since the last time we we're on the podcast. Justin Verlander returns the Houston Astros with a contract. The Angels surprise the baseball world a little bit. Signed Noah Syndergaard to a one-year, $21 million deal. He, of course, had been offered a qualifying offer by the Mets 
for 18.4 million. Jose Barrios got seven years, $131 million uh, from the Toronto Blue Jays. Eduardo Rodriguez agreed on a five-year deal worth $77 million with the Detroit Tigers. Baseball tonight is fueled by Gatorade. Gatorade's proven formula, whatever path you take, greatness starts with G. During the general manager uh, meetings last week, Scott Boris, uh, the super agent, came out and talked about how tanking is Major League Baseball's competitive cancer. I agree with that. I've been talking about it for a long time, like eight years. I wish the Player Association had dealt with it back in 2016. And one other note, today is the first day that the Cleveland baseball franchise is officially referred to as the Guardians. Taylor, what do you got? Buster, college basketball is officially in full swing, so you should be listening to Bald Men on Campus wherever you get your podcasts. I know Seth Greenberg, Jay Billis, and LaFonzo Ellis, they uh, they were previewing Feast Week next week, which is all the little tournaments. I know our guy Carl Ravage, he's going to be in the Bahamas calling Maryland games, so uh, they're going to you know get you ready to go while you're sitting around at home and, and watching college hoops during the day. WojPod also in full force. You should check him out. And Swagoo and Perk, our newest podcast featuring Kendrick Perkins and Marcus Spears, Swagoo, has been getting a lot of positive runs. So listen to those guys as you're on your way to Grandma's house for Thanksgiving, wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com Buster. Just go to Indeed.com Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. It's the Ravi Train with Carl Ravage. Carl uh, Ravage, of course, hosted baseball tonight. Uh, you see him doing play-by-play on ESPN. And, and Ravi, today is the Ravi Train in that long line of fans outside of the ballpark in Cleveland to be the first to get the Guardian swag. 
Rowdy is already, the train pulled right into the station at home, went online and locked in a guardian hat. Are you kidding me? Lines are, are fine when you're, uh, when you're critical. Like this has got to be purchased in the next you know hour. I need it at home in a day. Guardians, we've got a little time on until the season starts, but I have uh, I've got the hat on order. Uh, you and I both know they're going to be fans who, you know, will probably uh, old oh, yeah. faithful uh, fans to the to the old nickname who are going to be uh, holding off on getting any of the new swag. But you can see like fans be wanting to be the first, you know, with the new swag who are going to transition pretty quickly. Um, professional sports teams, Buster, have mastered the art of marketing different color uniforms, uh, different uh, names on the front, different names on the back. Major League Baseball is involved with it. Uh, certainly the NBA may be at the forefront of it. Yeah, there's, uh, there's no doubt that, that, that there will be many fans who, look, um, w- with all due respect, I still call the Boston Garden the Boston Garden. There, there are many buildings that regardless of name change or sponsorship or money spent, you still refer to them as, I mean, heck, I heard people still refer to, to San Francisco's home ballpark as Candlestick or as Pac-Bell or as AT&T. Sometimes they call it Verizon, even though it's never been named Verizon. So all these parks uh, with different names, you, you tend to fall back on the name that you're most familiar with. There will always be people who refer to the Cleveland baseball team as the Indians. It's that's just that's just where we're at and where where it's going to be. Yep, you're 100 percent right. Uh, let's talk about the MVP voting uh, that was announced yesterday. Shohei Otani. Look, we talked all summer about why he probably was going to win this award. Uh, because as Joe Madden said, it's, this is a performance we might not see for another hundred years. Who knows going forward if he can stay healthy. So he wins. I wanted to talk to with you about Bryce Harper because to see his emotions after he won that award yesterday, I thought was really cool. You know, this is someone who's been in a, in a the public eye since he was 15 years old. I thought at 22, 23, Carl, that he had some kind of rough edges you know, of a young person when he was with the Nationals. Uh, And then what I've heard from all the Phillies people since he went to that franchise was, this is a guy who gets it, right? He joined that franchise, that massive contract, 13 years, and fully embraced everything that that team asked him to do, uh, to, to become the face of the franchise. And so I, when I saw his reaction yesterday, I thought, you know what, that's really cool that a guy who absolutely was fully invested in all of it gets paid off uh, and has it come to fruition, all of his efforts, um, you know, and way beyond what his OPS was for the Phillies. How about you? Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, uh, you know, go back to when you were 22, go back to when I was 22. Yep. I didn't have, rough, I didn't have rough edges. I was jagged. I mean, you, you, I could cut people with my edges. It was, it was so bad. This is, this is, this is the benefit of being around um, these athletes for, you know, the majority of their playing careers, which means the majority of their lives. Um you know, many of us are lucky enough to to start this process, this journey with some of these kids when literally they are 12 years old. Like, let's look at Cody Bellinger, who sat on the set of baseball tonight at Little League World Series when he was 12. Cody Bellinger still has some rough edges. You know, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. But would it shock and wouldn't surprise me if in three, four, five years, 
Cody Bellinger uh, is an MVP, and and his persona is radically different than what I've seen at 12 and at 18 and at 21. Let's see where it goes, but it's the it is the benefit of being a part of this. I I once I sat I spent an entire day with Bryce Harper um, shooting a Jaguar commercial, and I I know if I sat with Bryce Harper today and did the same thing, the conversations would be different. The attention to um, certain aspects of the day would be different. Uh, the the use of his cell phone would be different i imagine the people that he brought with him would be different um and again this is this is maturation it was my wife and i watched i i played i played the acceptance that he gave last night on my ipad and she was sitting on the other side and said who is that and i said that's bryce and she said after listening to it is he crying i said yeah no he's he's crying and she said, wow, it is amazing, you know, what what happens to many men when they get married, when they have children and again, when they get older. Um, so he's 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 uh, mature. He's ripened in a sense. And yeah, it's great to see. I think he deserves it. And you know, the other part that you brought up, Buster, I think it's important when somebody earns a contract like that. The responsibility is not solely your performance on the field, um, and and many don't understand that, and some really struggle with it. And when they don't perform on the field, they tend to um, regress into a into sort of a cave-like mentality because I'm not doing what I'm paid to do, and I'm not delivering. You try harder, it kind of spirals out of control. But there are, I think, other obligations that come with being, you know, the highest-paid player on the team, one of the highest-paid players in the sport. And yeah, when, when he was with Washington, the, the, the maturity was was sort of coming. When he signed that big deal with Philadelphia, it, it took another step. And yes, there is a, a part of being the face of the franchise. There is a responsibility to go over the minor league fields and speak. There are obligations you have within the community. And, you know, you, you, you just realize those as you get older. And he's... He's done a fabulous job, um, and yesterday was was you know the crescendo of, of that circle that he's you know he's continuing along. And I'm, I'm delighted for him as a person more than I am as a player. I, I think yeah. all the accolades he'll have as a player forever. That that that's going to continue. Yeah, how many times have we seen these guys who sign these really long term contracts and they're four or five years in, and and then you hear you know sources say they're unhappy. Sources say yeah. they want to. Yeah. They want to get out of the contract, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all I've ever heard from the Phillies is that when Bryce signed the contract, uh, as he said, I think on the first day he was introduced, like he felt like this was like a marital agreement. Like I'm, I'm all in, you know, I'm committed to this. Uh, he told Scott Boris, look, I don't want to have, what was it? The, uh, the no trade protection, right. Or some, something along those lines. Like he, they, there was something built in there because he was like, I want to, I want a contract that's going to run through the end of my career. Oh, the opt-outs. That's what it was, yeah. not the no trade protection, but he didn't want the opt outs because he wanted to go. And and when I heard that first, I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but then as he's played it, he's lived his words, which I fully respect. And the best example that I can give you of what we're talking about in terms of living up the responsibilities, being to face the franchise, uh, a Sunday night game during the pandemic season in 2020, 
Uh, we had the Phillies and the Braves in Philadelphia. And in the first inning, the Braves scored like nine runs. I mean, it was a blowout right away. And we, you know, the producers are like, oh, my God, what are we going to do going forward? We had Bryce scheduled to wear the microphone during the course of the game for like an inning. And we're wondering if he's going to back out of it because it's a complete blowout. The Phillies, you know, are going to get destroyed in this game. Not only does he do the one or two innings that he was committed to, but he winds up keeping the microphone in even beyond a point where he runs into the outfield wall, the earpiece that he had gets knocked out, and he goes back out to the outfield, Carl, during the next half inning, the, during the break, and he finds it, and he's like, okay, guys, I'm good to go. And so he was on microphone for like five innings of that game through his own efforts. And you and I both know that is way above and beyond. It is. It's also, it's also um, context. It's also perspective. It's also the reality of, okay, um, it's nine zip. Uh, so is there a better time to do this? And what do I have to lose? And here's an opportunity for, and I don't believe this was his motivation, but it's another opportunity to sell the brand of Bryce Harper as good guy, as not um, abrasive, as as approachable, as human, as sense of humor. We've heard it for a long time with um, with he and Bryant and growing up in, in Nevada and their childhood and, and all these things. And it's, it, it, you cannot put yourself in his shoes, what it was like to grow up with all that pressure and Sports Illustrated at such a young age, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, I guess the other guy that I think of now that we're talking about Harper face of the franchise we're in the middle of a freddie freeman conversation with regards to what the braves do um in a lot of ways you know you could you could look at bryce harper and what he's become and realize well that's exactly what the braves have had in freddie freeman there's somebody who's willing to stand up there's somebody who who does the things the right way um who represents the franchise who's a family man and that's a priority for many people. Others don't necessarily think that's important, but for Freddie and for Bryce, you you can kind of see the similar tracks and it wasn't always that way. You know, Harper was probably more gifted, more talented as a player, but now they're running the same lane as people. And that's a huge compliment to Bryce and and a continuing compliment to Freddie and why the Braves and so many other teams have said we'll we'll take Freddie there's so much more than just what he does on the field as a player and Bryce now represents you know those things and I'm not surprised that he did that and I hope as a leader of the Phillies and maybe as a leader in the sport that others will look at that and say regular season Sunday night game nine nothing sure I'll, I'll take the opportunity and I will say this you know, for the most part, uh, players uh, I, I see, seem to be more amenable to things that they that they once weren't. And to have the leader, to always have the best player be willing to do that, that that trickles down, which is what the Braves said about Freeman in the World Series the whole time after they won the whole thing. If our leader is willing to do all these things and do them on the field and off the field, well, hell, it kicks us in the butt and it makes us want to do those things too. And Harper is a great example of that. Well, you led perfectly into the rapid fire segment that uh, I want to go through in terms of the some of the deals that uh, have happened and some of the deals are being talked about uh, on the Freddie Freeman conversations. It sounds like that, you know, there's a sticking point and a fifth or sixth year 
Uh, Bob Nightingale was the first to report that, uh, you know, the the Braves extended a, what a an offer of five years and one hundred thirty five million dollars, which would be twenty seven million dollars a year. And the in the in the article, it was written that he's looking for six years and two hundred million dollars. I, I feel like and that sounds like a big gap. I don't think the gap is as much as what it looks like in those numbers. I think there's a sweet spot. I think in the end, he winds up being worth more to the Braves than any other team. The Texas Rangers are the one wild card where I could see them set them extending themselves in part, not only to you know get a great player, but also to change the culture in their clubhouse. But I do believe that at some point, and I get asked about this every day by my son, the Braves fan, uh, who also Freddie Freeman's his favorite player, uh, you know, what's going to happen? And I said, I, I think the two sides will find that sweet spot, come up with some sort of a an option or maybe pay him a little bit more for the shorter deal. But I, I fully believe that at some point they're going to work it out. What about you? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, look, I really do think that objectively, if you look at this, you, you understand both sides and then you yep. just don't understand either side. It, it, here's the confusing part. When we did, when Tim and I did the division series with the Brewers, we had already, we had heard the same thing. This will come down to whether the Braves give Freddie the sixth year. And um, this feels, and again, I, I'm, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but if you're asking for an opinion, that feels very agent-driven. I, when we start, and I know I've said this a million times, so we start to talk about five years at $135 million or six years at 170 or 200 I I check out of the conversation because fighting over a sixth year when if I'm the player, I love it here. I love the organization. I want to stay here. My home is here. My kids are here. My family's here. If you're going to tell me that I'm going to get into a, a, a war about another year when they're willing to give, you know, the what I've heard, five years and 135 million uh, I'm set for the rest of my life and Charlie's life and my other two children's lives and then their kids. I'm done. I, I can be done here. But there are other players who've gotten a six-year deal who I think agents agents speak are are not nearly as good or I'm as good, if not better than they are. Why did they get it? I want it. Um, I, I, I get it. And then I don't get it. If you're the Braves, you're saying, so we could have him for six years or we can have him for five. Are we really going to, again, get into a war about one year? Um, th- those things don't make sense to me when you're when you're one year apart uh, from a team. And they don't make a lot of sense when you're the player and you are being offered five years, 135 million. I, I, I don't get it. So, um, sure, I think there's a there's a landing area. What I always would, would would worry about if I were your son is you've at least opened the door for other teams to come on in. And that's your goal should be never to do that. I don't care whether there's the conversation between the Braves and Freddie. Look, whatever the best offer you get is, you come to us and we will match it. But we are going to we're going to go down this road with you. As long as you, you know, you tell me you're willing to give us the final. And I think that's always risky. I I would never, I wouldn't have let it get there. So whether it's adding more money to five years 
or throwing in a six-year option if it vests after, I don't know, plate right. appearances, whatever that number is, you, you, sh- you can't let others come into your house and uh, and start presenting offers. I, I would I would be a little, I would be worried about that part of it. Yeah, and agents want to describe that uh, dynamic to me as you don't want it to become a competition with a player that you want to keep ultimately. Uh, okay, I'm gonna the I've got four deals I want to ask you about. Give me your best 30, 45 seconds on each of these. Jose Barrios, seven year deal with the Blue Jays. Great, great deal for him. Um, seven years is a long time for a pitcher. I, I'm not a possibly more than a five year guy when it comes to deals, especially with pitchers. But I love everything about the player. I know he loves the city. And if we just hark back to Freddie Freeman, how did they agree on a seven-year deal for a pitcher? Um, obviously, he wanted that. The team was willing to do it. And now they're they're going to be really happy. And I assume it's going to be for four years. And then the contract is going to start looking, looking a little bottom-heavy. Other agents believe that the deal is light that I spoke with. Uh, they, they feel like that he had a chance to be the premier guy and get – you know, the $200 million type deal next winter. And my reaction to that is, I don't know how you turn down $130 plus million. Uh, Noah exactly. Syndergaard, one-year deal with the Angels. What do you think? Yeah, uh, look, the Angels need pitching. There's no doubt about it. I think it's a good risk for them, uh, obviously, with a one-year deal. Um, you know, I think, uh, and I understand the Mets, you know, they offered the qualifying offer. He wanted to stay there. They didn't want to give him an extra $3 million. Uh, I hope Noah Syndergaard has the year of his life. I hope there's. I always, I always root for the, the sort of the player that says, "Look, I want to stay here, but I got other options." This is the, we're we're continuing the same conversation, whether it's about Freeman or Barrios or anybody else. Here it's about Syndergaard. He, he wanted to stay in New York. The Mets weren't willing to meet his his uh, his demand, if you will. There was another team that got into the room. They offered him this. I hope he has an absolute kick-ass year. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I thought it was a good risk for the Angels. People with other teams did not. My feeling is where else are they going to get potentially high-end pitching? And if you're the Angels, you also know that if he bounces back and let's say the Angels again struggle in the first half of the year, guess what? You potentially are going to have a nice trade piece, or you could give a qualifying offer, get draft pick compensation, which would mitigate some of the costs for this year. Uh, I also don't blame the Mets for not chasing that number. That's a scary number, $21 million, and there are other pitchers they can chase. Justin Verlander goes back to the Astros. What did you think about that deal? I was really surprised. I I thought Verlander would kind of follow in the footsteps of of others that – that looked at organizations, um, Dodgers, whatever it might be, Yankees, Red Sox. Uh, uh, um, you know, I think Houston's going to be different next year, uh, given some of the players they're going to lose. And I would have thought that Verlander w- would have been able to find um, a team, an organization that meets what what appear to be some of his requests, requirements. Uh, spring training in Florida, near where one of his homes are, um, but. He, he's he's stuck there. I was surprised. I would have thought, um, you know, one of these teams that are that are and look, I don't mean to suggest that Houston doesn't believe that they are going to compete for a championship. But I think as I sit here today and assume that Correa is leaving Houston uh, and maybe others that they are not in the top class of today world series contenders and i would have thought verlander would have gone to 
one of those teams that would have been considered World Series contenders. I, I have great faith that Verlander is going to have a phenomenal year. Um, I think the innings are going to be limited, but I, I think he's a, he's a fantastic bounce-back candidate, and I'm surprised he ended up going back to Houston. Yeah, I thought he was going to wind up with the Yankees. I would say this, what I hear around the edges is that Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, making it very clear in his conversations, we are not taking a step back. Uh, and mm-hmm. they feel like they can continue to compete. Eduardo Rodriguez gets a five-year deal with the Tigers. Uh, the Red Sox choose not to, to to come close to matching that. What'd you make of that deal? Yeah, I was, um, you know, all the periphery numbers on Eduardo are really good. Um, you know, he's a winner. He, he does win. I think if you watch most of his performances, there is a there is a level of anxiety, if not frustration, because there's just so much inconsistency. And and it just appeared as if the the message to Eduardo, which often was when you work quickly and you throw strikes, your stuff is really good enough to to keep you in games and give us a chance to win. And, and there were so many of the games where it felt like he was nibbling or missing. And when he did, it seemed to slow the whole thing down and it kind of snowballed from there. Um, as far as the ability to kind of battle through a rough first inning, he, he wasn't uh, perceived to be that guy. I think he's a, I think he's a great you know guy as a number three, four on a staff. I thought the money and the years were were real heavy. I, I that wouldn't be where I would have gone, but boy, you know, you when you dive a little deeper into it, Eduardo Rodriguez's numbers, he he does have success. He is a he is a very. It's almost like his ceiling is really high, and the Red Sox, for some reason, over the years, were never really able to get him to that level of of consistently solid starting. All right, so you and I had a lot of fun during the course of the season with the uh, playing off of who wants to be a millionaire by uh, talking about who wants to be a billionaire and giving advice right. to Steve Cohen, the Mets owner, about what he should do. So we're going to kind of go off with a, a spin off of that, uh, asking the question, who wants to work for a billionaire? And get your advice for Billy Epler, who's going to be introduced later today uh, as the general manager of the New York Mets. I wrote a piece that just got posted on ESPN.com. Uh, I talked to a number of executives, most of whom have worked in New York, and asked them that question, what advice would you have for Billy Epler? And Carl, uh, what so many of them said was, and they feel like, yeah, Billy already knows this. If you're in New York, don't lie to the media, uh, be direct, be very communicative. Uh, And I got back from one, look, you can't sell this fan base on the idea of a four-year plan, which is the length of Billy's contract. You're rebuilding do what you can to win right away because the perception is, look, if you find a way to win in the next year or two, you are golden, right? Uh, they don't have a head of baseball operations. If they go and win the National League East next year, uh, which is a tall order because they're in the same division as the Braves, the defending champions with all that great you know, core that Atlanta does. But if you find a way to win the division next year in the next two years, you're good. You're probably going to be the head of baseball operations after that. Um, and they see a lot more hope in this job than maybe some others who turned down the opportunity to go for it. What advice would you give to Billy Epler? My advice to Billy Epler first would be to um, to secure a manager who you are aligned with, uh, hook, line, and sinker, heart, soul, head. Um, 
And for me, that guy's Buck Showalter. And yep. the reason I say, the reason I say that is you two um, work together uh, on the baseball front. You, you are aligned in the players that you want, the culture you want to establish, and the second part of that is you immediately you know continue your relationship with Brian Cashman, who you you know have worked with, and all you have to do is. Ask Brian what it was like to work for George Steinbrenner. Like, uh, with all, <laughs> I don't know what Steve Cohen's end game is with regards to how he wants to be known. Um, without knowing him, I don't have the, the sort of negative stigma that so many people seem to have about him. He doesn't, in my, I've never seen some of the Steinbrenner esque behaviors. Um, and by the way, as we all know now, there was the other side of George Steinbrenner, the incredibly generous owner, uh, and how he took care of certain employees and ones you'd never expect him to to take care of. So, I think I think oftentimes, Buster, um, what people say or write uh, without truly knowing the person is is a bit exaggerated. Uh, I I would absolutely go work for Steve Cohen. Um, I, I think I trust in myself, if I'm Billy Epler, to, to know how to put a team together. I have an owner that pledges his desire to win. I go out and hire Buck Showalter, and I know I have a guy uh, who can steer this ship, whatever this ship is, not be affected by tweets, etc. If that's something that is, is ingrained in our owner and it's going to continue, so what? What do I... I can't let those things derail me. And I think between Epler and somebody like Buck Showalter, given what we just saw Brian Snicker do, given what we've seen Dusty Baker do, given the success that Tony LaRusa has had, you know, I'm not saying the pendulum has shifted away from sort of young, unproven, analytically driven manager, but it certainly has allowed uh, people to recognize that experience can matter. Somebody that's managed in New York is a huge value. Yeah, that's that. So, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not bothered at all by Steve Cohen's reputation or anxiety that people are creating in my own head. Epler hires show Walter talks and, and observes what he did with Cashman. It's time better. And off we go. Are you kidding yeah. me? If it's a three year deal and I get let go, I get let go. I, I tried. I got paid. Move on. I completely agree with you about Buck. I think he's the perfect hire for this job for the same reason that uh, Sandy Alderson, who you know went with the two first-timers in the last year with Jared Porter and with Zach Scott and have that blow up in his face, he decides to go with Billy Epler, somebody knows, someone who's got experience in New York, and I think Billy's got to do the same thing with his manager. And Buck is the, the best guy for that, and he demonstrated in Baltimore – how quickly he can turn around a team and, and change the, the culture. And I think that's going to be really important as they move forward. Last one before you go, give me a quick thought on what you uh, saw in the comments from Rob Manfred as we get closer to the potential lockout. Because what I what I read when I saw his comments were like, yep, there's going to be a lockout. And he's putting some positive spin on it, saying that this is part of the, you know, the, the reality that the, the sport um, you know, in 1994, 95, uh, yeah. you know, he's acknowledging that that, uh, that that's coming down the pike. What did you say? Thank I, I was I was surprised to see that perhaps, um, you know, that, that the lockout may, in fact, uh, move things forward. And any time that there's a work stoppage, I think it's it's bad, even though 
Um, you, you may look at 94, 95 and think, well, that didn't work very well. So let's, let's try this. Uh, I would have, and I think he did to some extent focus on we're committed to get a deal done by December 1st. That would have been my message. And that would have been the end of the message. Um, at that, at that point, December one, if there's no deal, either we are choosing to extend this window of work opportunity and we're not still talking about a lockout, but on December one, you could certainly raise the specter of perhaps a lockout may lead to some resolution. I, I was surprised that lockout came up as, as almost a way that we can progress through this. I would not have thought that was a, uh, that wouldn't have been attacked. I would have taken. Um, I do. I, there is a lot of truth in the fact that he's been involved in a lot of these, and he has, you know, he has had his fingerprints on many of these deals that get done. Um, so you you can certainly have faith in his abilities, his wishes, his desires. But gosh, this is a this is a takes two to tango thing. And as much as you have all that history of success. And look, I think we all recognize that Scott Boris is very involved with the other side. Scott Boris, in the end, is a deal maker. You, you may not like the deals he makes. The players that he represents certainly do, and the owners probably regret some of them. But he's a deal maker. You, you do have, if Boris is influential and Manfred is the commissioner, you have people who have a history of making deals. So... I'm going to still be with the optimistic half full. There will be a deal done. And as I said last week on the podcast, I think as we inch towards the end of the month, there'll be some momentum towards it. That doesn't mean it gets done. It doesn't mean there's no work stoppage. But uh, I agree with the pledge that December 1st is really uh, you know, a hard line whether it's in the sand or the cement, um, you, you got to really try to get it done then because I think the mentality of the owners is, well, if it didn't happen here, screw it, we're going to take a break. We're, we're pressing pause, and maybe that was the, the reason for the lockout reference as opposed to just leaving that on the table and saying, we are committed to a deal December 1. Again, just quickly, I, none, not, nothing would surprise me. A new deal wouldn't surprise me, and certainly – uh, a lockout wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, you're right, Carl. As you're describing that, it reminded me of that moment. What was it? Two years ago, when the Yankees and the Rays had a an issue back and forth on hit batsmen, and I think Kevin Cash at one point said, "Yeah, yep. I got a bunch of guys you throw a hundred. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know Check what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I got a whole bunch. Of, I got a stable of horses down there that all throw hundred. No doubt. Right. And that's, uh, you know, I think that's what Rob is doing with that reference to the lockout and, and how that might have played out differently. Ninety four, ninety five. All right. Thanks for doing this. I will talk to you soon. Be good, Buster. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. 
That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a glorious Friday. First up, we have Michael Preston at McP1979. Michael writes in, hey, Buster, with reliever innings going up each year and their important continu- their importance continuing to grow, do you think that there will be a time when top relievers start to receive consideration for the Cy Young on a more regular basis? Yeah, and there was a time when relievers won MVP, uh, excuse me, won the Cy Young Award. Uh, you know, Steve Bedrosian, for example, uh, Willie Hernandez of the Tigers actually won the MVP and the Cy Young Award. And then as analytics came into the game, I think that sort of drifted away because of the sheer volume that these guys were pitching. Uh, Generally, I think that your theory is right. But as we talked about in the podcast in the last month, I think they're going to be reliever, excuse me, rules put in place to, uh, you know, work to reestablish the parameters of starting pitchers. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon for relievers in terms of being regular candidates for the Cy Young. Guy PK Steinberg writes in since 2014, the Angels have won five AL MVPs and appeared in the playoffs in just one of those years. Is that a record? Oof, it's got to be right. <laughs> I can't imagine that any other team would have that many MVPs without making the, the postseason. You know, you think back to you know Alex Rodriguez winning an MVP with the, the Texas Rangers occasionally, you know, good uh, guys who uh, Andre Dawson, I think won one with the Cubs when they didn't uh, make the playoffs. Uh, But for five in that kind of run, that's a great observation by UPK. Um, And and it makes you understand a little bit more why they went so hard in on Noah Syndergaard trying to build that pitching they've been lacking. That's tough for Angels fans. Uh, Reggie Greenfield and mine has a, a nice little hypothetical for us. He writes in Buster, could part of the solution to overly dominant pitching and the lost money during the pandemic be a massive expansion? In 1969, the league went from 20 to 24. So the league could truly, if it wanted to, go from 30 to 36 teams now. If Major League Baseball charged $750 million per team, that's $4.5 billion in expansion fee money. Going to places like Montreal and Portland, moving the athletics and Rays, you create eight new markets and make Major League Baseball a national sports league again. Divisions of six and six would work perfectly. What do you think about Reggie's hypothetical here? Reggie, you went way deeper than than <laughs> I, my brain has in terms of expansion, but you're right. Uh, in the years in which expansions come into play, you've seen the pitching performances go down. You've seen offensive numbers go up. I think as soon as we get the next labor deal, you're going to start hearing about expansion um, where they're going to work quickly toward getting the Rays and the Oakland situation settled. Uh, and once that happens, then you're going to see two expansion teams and it's going to be for a lot more than $750 million would be my guess. Don Irvine is up next at Don Irvine. Don writes in, what kind of stat line would Noah Syndergaard need to have in 2022 to make his signing by the Angels a success? Well, he's not going to throw a ton of innings. I'm guessing it's going to be something in the range of, uh, you know, like 130 innings. I think if he has like a 380 ERA, you'd sign up for that if you're the Angels. 
Um, I know their perspective is that they feel like they need some high-end pitching, you know, to go along with Otani. They had a lot of options in the marketplace where it's like number four, number five type starters. And if Syndergaard's right, they feel like he could be more like a number a front of the rotation type guy. Matt Spiegel at Spiegs 1027 writes in, if there was an award for best overall coaching staff, who would you have voted for this season? Well, if the voting was done at the end of the regular season, you definitely would have to give that to the San Francisco Giants. They won the most games. Uh, if we include the postseason, I would vote for the Atlanta Braves. And we've talked on the podcast how we feel like that is a real weapon for those guys to have such an experienced uh, group of great coaches. You know, Ron Washington, uh, Rick Kranitz, uh, you know, Kevin Seitzer's the hitting coach. I love Sal Fasano, who's a catching instructor. EY, Eric Young, uh, known him a long time. That is a great coaching staff. Elizabeth Hart at eHart Tweets writes in, no one ever even mentioned Charlie Montoyo as manager of the year candidate, but three home sites later, he got the Blue Jays to within one game of making the playoffs. If they were in the NL East, they would have won the division. Why no love for Charlie? Yeah, Elizabeth, you're right. I never mentioned him. I tend to, when we talk about the awards, I tend to talk more about who I think is going to win it. Uh, and I never thought that he had a chance to win it because if there was a, a winner from the American League East, it was going to be Kevin Cash, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think it was an advantage for Dusty Baker that the Astros did what they did. Uh, you know, Tony LaRusso, we talked about because the White Sox ran away with the division. I just didn't see a path for Charlie to win because, again, if the vote went to anybody in the American League East, it had to go to either uh, to uh, to Kevin Cash or to Alex Cora, given the improvement of the Red Sox. Does that make sense, Taylor? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just in a tough spot. It's it's a bummer. Yep. But, uh, last one for today. Spence 30 at B Spence 3032. Uh, Spence writes in, what are the Reds doing? Can't see Castellanos coming back, and they seem to be dumping salary at a time when they should be competitive. Frustrating. Yeah, it feels like that uh, Bob Castellini, their owner, is uh, setting himself up to sort of redo where the payroll is, um, you know, with all these cutbacks and, you know, trading Tucker Barnhart, you know, moving his salary out. Uh, there have been a lot of conversations about whether they'll move, you know, Luis Garcia, Sonny Gray. It, it does have to be frustrating, and it doesn't feel like that the Reds are doing anything to close the gap on the St. Louis Cardinals, it feels like that they're just trying to cycle through and, you know, looking to build the next wave behind guys uh, like Jonathan India. Alrighty, that does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Taylor, when's the next time we're going to do a pod? And you and I haven't talked about this yet, so we'll do this fresh right here. I'm I'm thinking like next Tuesday, Wednesday, because yeah. I kind of want to drop one before the holiday weekend, or do you want to wait until after Thanksgiving? No, we could do we could do one on Tuesday. I've uh, I've got some time in the old schedule, so let's let's knock one out on Tuesday. Maybe we'll uh, we'll get Jesse Rogers in the mix. We haven't heard from him in a while, so uh, I think that'd be appropriate. And I think that we've been getting a lot of tweets, which I definitely appreciate. Like, when's the next pod? It's only been a little over a week, and people are already cl- clamoring. So I'm sure they'd appreciate something uh, for their their travel commutes here. Okay. The only way we won't do a pod is if like nothing happens between now (laughs) and next Tuesday. So if you don't see any signings, if there's no development of the labor thing, then uh, we won't do one. But uh, I'm going to put that down on my calendar. I'm ready for next Tuesday. Thanks for for the inspiration right there. Uh, And my thanks today to Carl and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. 
Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews.